1: This is the Hockey News Podcast.
2: Ryan, it's the best time of the year, as I always like to start the show with, but you want to know why, in particular, it's the best time of the year? Why? We are so close to never having to watch the New York Islanders play playoff hockey for another calendar year. It is the best. We can watch actual, fun, offensive hockey. It's going to be great. Um, we're going to get to that in a bit. Okay. We might as well just kick off with, you know, the, the, new, the new and improved, it was 4-1. Yes. The Toronto Maple Leafs.
1: Four point, it was 4-1, 2.0. The Toronto,
2: the Toronto Maple Leafs have done the impossible, I think, going into Tampa. Not only have they snatched victory from the jaws of defeat, which is, I think, the, the personification of that phrase uh-huh. with what they've done, yep. considering how bad they've played up until maybe the last like 10 minutes of the third period in both games. Um, it is that they have, they have taken two games from Tampa and they have done it in just spectacular fashion and they managed to make Alex Kerfoot a hero. I mean, are we looking at the Toronto Maple Leafs potentially slaying the demons, uh, getting in the second round? Are these Leafs different?
1: I, I feel like they have broken through. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you got to win four games. Yes. They've only won three. And I mean, this is an experienced Tampa Bay team. Having said that, it's also a severely banged up Lightning squad. Yep. And that's kind of a shame to me in this series is that, you know, we ha- we haven't seen the Bolts at full strength. And really, I mean, they've succeeded in the past with some pretty bad uh, injuries as well. Mm-hmm. You know, Stamkos missing almost an the entire, entire cup run. run. Yeah. Yeah, save for, like, one shift.
2: Kucherov suspended a bunch. Uh, I you know, that was Braden like 20, Point has yeah.
1: been out in the past and, and is obviously banged up now. Uh, but having said that, uh, it's, it's fascinating to see the Leafs make these comebacks when they haven't been playing fantastic hockey. Um, you know, the fact that Austin Matthews had... Uh, a game where, you know, he came through in the clutch. I, I don't think he's been playing bad per se, but, no, but you he... know, that sort of killer instinct where you get those late goals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Morgan Riley you can put into that category as well where, you know, it's. I'd say it's been an up-and-down series for him uh, just in terms of some of the defensive mm-hmm. plays, but then coming through on offense. Um, I really do think that the guys like Ryan O'Reilly and Olachari, you know the experience they bring and the attitude they bring. Um, you know maybe it's not well. It did show up on the score sheet with O'Reilly
2: and Achari. Um, he scored and Achari for he's, that. Matter. He's two ga- He scored in both both of them, or not O'Reilly, but they both scored in both games.
1: There you go. Um, so I mean they, they're having that impact, uh, but also just that attitude of we can do this. It's pretty amazing, shout out to my wife. It was 4-1. Shout
2: out to Ryan's wife, man.
1: Yeah. It was 4-1 last night and I'm like, oh, it's over. And she's like, well, how much time is left? I'm like, it's the end of the second period. She's like, well, they have time. And uh, sure enough, she was right. So there you go.
2: Ryan, does your wife have the passion? I was
1: gonna, no, I was gonna say like, uh, I was joking to her, I was like, do you have hot takes in you? And she was like, no, I don't wanna do anything.
2: Well, what's funny is like, so you were talking with your wife and something that is, you know, I just innocuously shared on social media is that people are loving my mom's commentary on these games. I'm not sure if you've seen that. I have seen that. Um, it's pretty good. So she is, this, yesterday was maybe her third ever hockey game in, watching in her life. And that includes the hockey games I was part of as a child. <laughs> um, and my favorite is that she, uh, uh, like, she's just very blunt in that, like, these guys have a job to do. And if they're right. losing, they're not doing their job. And I just don't understand that. Yep. But she did come up with... An incredible nickname, I think, for John Cooper, where she was talking about, She's like, I love seeing Keith jumping around, looking for someone to hug. She's like, I don't want to be mean, but I'd love to see the reaction of, of Coach Cooper, a.k.a. Mr. Cool. Right. And I thought, you know, that's, I'm going to start using that. That's interesting. But I think, look, first of all, this Leafs team is extremely banged up, too. Um, the Leafs, like, uh, first of all, Samsonov is clearly playing through something. He's clearly very hurt. Every time he goes down, it looks like he's not going to get back up. <laughs> Um, but also, like, as Sheldon Keefe said before that game, they had a number of game-time decisions. Mm. And, you know, if you look at one little bit of this game, TJ Brody is clearly dealing with something. This is not the TJ Brody. Like, TJ Brody is the epitome of steadiness. You know, right now, he's, he, he has to be dealing with some, some heinous stuff. Mor- Morgan Riley's face looked like, he, you know, it got tenderized by, you know, like a meat hammer. Yep. Uh, like, just crazy stuff. Um, but, yeah, this team does look different. And, and the one thing is that, like you said, with, with Achari and Riley. I just, or O'Reilly, sorry. I think O'Reilly is 100%. Like he's the guy. He's the guy yeah. you bring in. Um, he has changed the complexion of this team, not just in how they're able to deploy their centers, deploy their their forward lines. You know, put them on the third line away when you have, you know, this sec- when you when you don't have last change. Whereas put you know stacking that top six when you do. Um, but all, but on top of that, like he just, there was a play I believe it was in the second period. Um, where the Leafs, they'd just gone through maybe like a 15-minute stretch of just nothing. Like, abs. they couldn't even get into the zone. Tampa was incredible in the neutral zone. They finally get in there, and they're about to break out right away, and O'Reilly just goes on this rampage where he's like, I'm going to get the puck, and he he just pickpockets it from like five different Lightning guys trying to get out there and creates a scoring chance, and it was the only, I'd say, grade-A scoring chance the Leafs got in the second period. But you look at this guy, and he's like down 4-1, you don't have this guy on the team. I think the Leafs would have would have folded. He, but yeah. he's a guy who hasn't been here. You know, he's a guy who hasn't you know been part of those failures. So he's like the games out of reach. Like try and get it back in. He doesn't have those demons. Exactly. I think that's extremely important. What are you thinking? So they're coming back on Thursday. We're recording this on Tuesday. So there's yeah. two days. So we have two days to room over this. But call your shot now. Leafs in five. Leafs in six. Tampa in seven. What's going on?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's going to be. Leafs in five? You think so? I, I do, because, and again, I think it's O'Reilly leading the charge where he's gonna say, like, step on the neck, boys. Yes. Like, this is, that's what they were missing in the past. Not that you're not aware of it. No, but they were Blair, they
2: were missing the killer instinct. But they are missing yes. that
1: killer instinct. And I will say, before we move on, mm-hmm. Derek Lalonde has been fantastic. Oh. On Hockey Night and camera. Could he have a
2: little more charisma maybe on camera? Yes. But his insights?
1: Incredible. And, you know, yeah. what he was saying about Vasilevsky yes. and point shots and the way Tampa, you know, moved around uh, their defensive structure because of that, that's the kind of stuff that, like, I love to hear. That Just that insider, those those tidbits, explaining the game. All of a sudden, I'm obsessed with offensive zone faceoffs yes. because of Derek Lalonde, and I feel I am better for
2: it. You know what? Derek, like Derek Luan has been on TV for like a week and a half, two weeks now. That's the most meaningful hockey insight I've heard on a panel in probably like 10 years. I love it. It it has changed the complexion of how we watch this series now. Yeah. We're like, we had no, Vasilevsky is, is, he's a seemingly infallible figure.
1: Yeah, you just assume that it's like, he's he's like Darth Vader. You
2: think he's good at everything. And yet, Tampa had to change their defensive structure because he was, bad. and if you watch back to that game, the Leafs know it. Yeah. The amount of... With like just long wistful shots even right. that they're floating on net it is it, 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 it's way more it's like all of them turned into Tyson Berry where they just take these weird long flickers from the yeah. from from the uh uh the blue line but they're going in they're working
1: and here's my here's my only thought on that is like okay if if Tampa knew that how come the other 30 31 teams never like Clued in and like like where were their video guys and be like hey Vasilevsky might kind of struggle there maybe it's because Tampa had like already figured it yeah. out and they changed you know, their D structure during, but and changed D structure and now
2: Long's gone maybe it's a different thing maybe. but we I would love to you know we were we were boots on the ground watching it I would love to go back and see if Colorado was doing that in the in the Cup final yeah very you sure. know because they have a lot of offensive talent on the blue line I was wondering but you know then again we'll have to see his hindsight anyway. Um, so yes, uh, you know, we're, like we said, we recording this on Tuesday. Um, been a couple, there are a couple series here that are on the verge of elimination. You know, the, the New York Islanders, they play tonight to try and extend their season um, against the Carolina Hurricanes. They're on the road, um, and then the Florida Panthers uh, will get obliterated um, uh, the next night. <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, no disrespect to the Panthers. Look, they won. they won one of those games, so maybe they can come back and do it. But which team do you think is going to be the first to get eliminated here?
1: I do think it's going to be the Islanders, Okay. Uh, Carolina at home. I mean, it's a raucous arena down there. They have
2: the siren ringer guy. Yeah. The si-
1: yeah, exactly. And I just feel like, and you know, I, I don't like to take shots of the Islanders because like they're good at what they do. And I know it's not necessarily fun for neutral observers, but your goal is to win hockey games. And they've won a, a considerable amount of playoff games in the past four or five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, beating some very good squads along the way. Yeah. but I think Carolina, um, again, even though they've had injuries, you know, no Tevu Tarabainen. Yeah, um, no
2: Patre, no Cob, Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. They I, they plug in guys, and, like, you know, Mackenzie McEachern's the hero all of a sudden. And, you know, Seth Jarvis, who has always yes, been Yes, but he's taken a
2: step up. But taking yeah. a step
1: up. I just feel like this is a Carolina team that's, like, not going to leave anything to chance. Mm-hmm. So I just, I don't see what the Islanders could do any more of yeah. to, to ring one out.
2: I saw a, I agree with everything you just said. Um, uh, I, I saw a, I believe someone on our, our um, you know, the Hockey News New York Islanders site, mm-hmm. um, who was saying, you know, why not just try and start Semyon Varlamov in game five? You know, like Sorokin, he's, you know, he's had a bit of a rough go so far. How much that's on him, how much that's on the Islanders is, yeah. is remains to be seen. What would you think of that?
1: I mean, at this point, like, why not? Uh, but I mean, Varlamov's not better than Elias exactly Orokin. so all you're really hoping for is to kind of trip the Canes up, where mm. they're they're not used to facing Varlamov. But I, I don't know if that's enough to really stymie Sebastian Ajo. I think I think he would find a workaround.
2: Yeah, and I think you just you go down with your guy, you know, yeah. like it's. Uh, if you're gonna, if you're the, the band on the Titanic, you don't switch up instruments the last second. You just play, and if you're gonna sink, you sink. But yeah. Rokin's, you know, he's gonna be nominated for the Vesna. If he's not, that's a travesty, and I will, you know, lead an insurrection on the NHL office if they do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm that passionate about it. But he, look, you go down with you, you, go down swinging with your guy. Yeah. So I think that's that's it. But I just thought that was an interesting thing to pick your brain on, because I saw that. And I'm like, huh? Uh-huh. The hockey news. One of our guys. Interesting. I'm gonna have to take this opinion seriously. No bad ideas. Right? No bad ideas. No bad ideas. No ideas. Throwing everything. Look, when your back's against the wall, you gotta try everything, man. We're just blue skying. Right? Exactly. Like, like I said, you know, my when when uh, like my I've said on the podcast before. My my little sister when we were growing up, she would beat the crap out of me all the time, because she was just and she would have that move where she'd go on her back and just start flail kicking. Uh-huh. And I feel like that's what New York Islanders fans are doing right now. They're just they are their backs against the wall and they're just on their back flail kicking and maybe that looks like starting. That's when you back
1: up. up and just lob something heavy on her.
2: <laughs> I hope my mom's watching, uh, watching this because gave her a shout out and that you're right.
1: That's just sibling 101. I right? just hope, yeah. I
2: hope your kids are watching this, getting some, getting some tactics. Yeah, sure. Uh, we'll have to see. All they right. do not care about sports. They do not? Okay, cool. Um, so, Kale McCarr. Noted goon at this point. Apparently. Kale McCarr looks like, he still looks like a child. Like, um, he, he does, and yet, here he is just absolutely obliterating uh, Jared McCann against the boards during the, the Kraken um, avalanche game four. That was game four, right? Yep. Yes, sorry. I, tied it up. It's the playoffs. The days of the week are just blurring together. It's crazy. Yes. Um, the, the Seattle Kraken tied the series, but Kale McCarr, possibly taking himself out for not just one, but multiple games of the series. He's got a hearing today of mm-hmm. uh, potential player safety. That hit, I think we can all agree that that hit is suspendable. Yes. Puck was nowhere near either of them, and he just completely destroys McCann um, from a little bit far away from the boards, and it injures McCann. He he leaves, and I believe they announced he will not play in game five.
1: Yeah, and it felt like game six was doubtful as well.
2: That's a 40 goal score off the table. That's tough. But you have, as we've said many times, like the best defenseman in the league. Mm -hmm. That will be, like, I think, as much as it pains them, I think. I think the Kraken will take that swap. It's a tough swap. It's a Sophie's Choice, but I think yes. they will in a pinch. So if if, if Makar uh, gets suspended, which he will, how many games do you think? Number one. Mm-hmm. And then I guess we'll fold that into Seattle could actually do this.
1: Yeah, I'm going to say two games for mm-hmm. Makar. Uh, he's usually a very clean player. Yeah, he's getting Lady Bing votes, you were saying. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, and... You know, principal point of contact was not the head, even yes. though the result was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I feel like two games is probably the number. Uh, the fact that McCann is injured certainly plays a factor into this. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like, you know, first-time offender, and, you know, McCarr will have a chance to explain himself. I believe he said that he thought the puck was yeah. still around there. Regardless,
2: um, you can't do that, though. You can't do yeah. that, yeah.
1: Yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's all things that they will weigh. Can the Kraken do it? I mean, I feel with Makar out of the lineup and Landeskog out of the lineup mm-hmm. and Nachushkin hasn't been there. Um, Phil Grubauer has outplayed Alexander guria so I was going to get into that, yeah. Yeah, so, and then, you know, I mean, the Kraken, like, they're winning the special teams battle. So it's been a pretty close series just in terms of the stats. It's... It's wild to think that the defending champs could go in the first round to a team that has never been in the playoffs before. And But Seattle's not backing down. Yeah. And, and- I mean, they have a lot of motivation now, right? I mean... <laughs> oh,
2: there's bull- board material. There's it's a guy murdering material. your best player.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I-, I feel like it's going to be a rallying point. And Colorado, this is where things get really tight for them where it's like okay well not only are we losing our best defenseman and you know most people will say best player yes uh how do we come back from that who steps up Mm -hmm. how do we get ourselves back on track um you know so far it's been a pretty tight series and you know seattle had a chance to win another one of those games uh and colorado made a comeback on them yeah but uh I, i think seattle can do it i i think you know Game
2: five is going to be pivotal. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, psychologically, go, goes without sir. saying. There, I look. The Kraken can win this series. I do. I don't. I'm not sure if they will, but they absolutely can. Yeah. Um, and look, this is losing Kale McCarr is huge. I mean, obviously, that goes without saying. Like getting into getting into the nitty gritty of you know taking Kale McCarr out of a lineup, it's fut- it's futile because it's like taking an engine out of a car. You know, like right. it's it's pretty tough. That's a um, Good metaphor. Thank you. Um, it even rhymes with his last name, so there you go. You need a star? Call There you go. Um, but look, what it does is it forces everyone up. You know, Eric Johnson was a healthy scratch for a little bit. Now he goes back in the lineup. So now you're playing, you know, Devin Taves and you're forcing Bo Byram, who is developed into a good uh, top four guy. But like mm-hmm. now he's going to potentially be a top pair guy. Um, thankfully, it, it, in in relation to last year, you still have Sam Gerrard. They lost. They lost they Sam Gerrard for the yeah. entire. Uh, you know midway through the second the second round and then throughout the rest of their cup run But like Phil Grubauer goaltending was the was basically the big reason why I picked this to be like a sweep almost right. I could not have been more wrong and I'm glad I, I could not be happier that I could not have been more wrong because right. not Only is this great hockey, but seeing the fans in Seattle. It's amazing. Like we've said it is just It's lovely to to see them succeeding but like <sighs> The fact that Phil Grubauer was the, biggest, was the biggest sort of hurdle, I think, towards their contention um, or their ability to pull off this upset. He's got a 9-16 right now. Yeah. That's, per- that's amazing. Like, for the playoffs. Sure. That's fantastic, especially against the Colorado team. And the thing is, like, the, the abs are banged up. Like, yeah. like, not just are they losing Makar, not just is Natushkin, but, like, uh, we have no idea when he's going to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not worth speculating on that. Um, but like, you know, there's a reason why everyone was hurt towards their, their year and yes they uh, towards the end of the year, and yes they came back for the playoffs, so that doesn't mean they were fully healthy. Totally. And Colorado's a very top heavy team too. You know, their their depth, I was wondering whether or not they were gonna go out and get, you know, a, a score or someone to put out on that third, fourth line to round it out. They didn't. Lars Eller, you know, is not really the difference maker they once was. He, he wins draws, That's fine, but yeah. he's not there. So Seattle is just, kind, they're just solid, you know, one through four when it comes to the, it comes to uh, their lines. And, you know, they, they aren't really missing anyone on the back end. And then if you have a goaltender that's able to keep you in games, maybe not win them single-handedly, but keep you in games. Yeah. And you're going against a Colorado team that is losing the reigning Norris winner and the guy who has like redefined what a modern NHL defenseman is, mm-hmm. you could absolutely win this series. And I think it's not out of the realm, possibility that they do.
1: Yeah, and how interesting is it that Grubauer is having this good series against the team he used to play for? Yeah. You know, I always think that the shooters have an advantage on a goalie they know, but it feels like maybe in this case it works the other way around, where Grubauer knows the tendencies yeah. of the Colorado shooters and can adjust accordingly. Uh, that, to me, is sort of a, a fascinating subplot as
2: well. Yeah, absolutely. The fact that, well, I just think the fact that he's doing this after being a sub-900 goalie for literally the entire last two years, yeah. uh, you know, it's remarkable. All right. Brad Marchand and Matthew Dachuk. You know, the fact that these two guys are in the same series has been great, yep. it would be better if one of their teams had made it more interesting, but you know, we'll see. There's an interesting point here. Is You know, you look at the, the battle of the pests, mm. the battle of the, the thorns in your side. Which one would you rather have?
1: Yeah, this is, like, something I've been thinking about. The fact that both of them are in the same series. Yeah. And again, you know, Florida has blown some chances Mm -hmm. in this series, right? Uh, Absolutely. It doesn't have to be 3-1 right now. It probably should be 2-2. But Matthew Kachuk has definitely been at the forefront of the positive side of the Mm -hmm. equation. I mean, he's, like we talked with Ryan O'Reilly, he's the guy that drags guys into the fight with him. Yes, yes. And, you know, looking at that Florida team, I think I kind of underestimated the matchup in this series where you think about Boston you're like, oh man, like, they're not fun to play against. Yeah. You know, they've got guys that uh, like, like Brad Marchand that are just nasty to play against. But then you look at Florida and you're like, well, Matthew Kachuk's not fun to play against at all. Mm-hmm. Radko Gudis is not fun to play against. Sam at Bennett all, yeah. is not fun to play against. Um, I mean, they, they kind of stack up pretty similarly in that respect. Mm-hmm. Um, with this one, it's, it's like really hard for me to choose because with K- Kachuk, uh, obviously, got more size. Um, you know, scoring, I mean, they're, they've both put up some fantastic seasons uh, in their careers already. Marshawn does a bit more penalty killing. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they can both agitate, they can both fight if they need to. Um, Marshawn does have a cup already. So, yep. that would be the only factor that would maybe be a tiebreaker. But for me, it's so 50-50. Like, if you asked me who I would want on my team, I'd probably have to flip a coin.
2: Is it, who do you want on your team, like, for a one, you know, gun to the earth, one, one game, you know, series or whatever? Or is it... Mm. For the future. Because if it's for the future, it's absolutely Matthew Chuck. Sure, yeah. He's, he's young. younger. He's younger. He has more offensive game, upside.
1: If it's one game, I'll go Marshawn. Absolutely. Because yeah. yeah, he's a clutch guy. He's,
2: We've seen yeah. it
1: consistently over his career. So if, if
2: that's or even just a one the metric, series, like like even not even if it's just a one game, but a series. I'm taking Marshawn. I think mm. he's more seasoned and all that. But if you're if you're moving forward, I mean if oh, yeah. it's absolutely Matthew Chuck, but man, like Marshawn. Then again, Matthew Chuck was able to get the Bruins Vesna favorite goalie kicked out of the game right. for trying to fight him. So yeah. it, that's pretty that's pretty remarkable. I feel like Marshawn hasn't fully been on his full rat behavior yes. uh, this series. Ha- we haven't seen the you know the his greatest hits yet, but yeah. maybe he's saving that for the second round.
1: And the, and that's the fascinating part is like there it's almost like mutually assured destruction, where, you know, if you can get under somebody's skin. And get an advantage, then that's great. But if you have somebody on the other side doing the same thing, then it's like, okay, well, should we just go after each other? Like,
2: yeah. I would love to visually, see Marshawn
1: and Kachuk go after each other. That would be other. great. It feels like they never do. Uh, <laughs> and there is a size disadvantage there, Definitely. obviously.
2: Um, but we need, we need Godzilla versus King Kong eventually, you know? It, eventually. And look, Godzilla's got the size on King Kong. We'll say that. But King Kong, uh, he's got that little hammer. That he has in the newest movie. So there you go.
1: Does he actually have a hammer? He literally has like, it, like somewhat of it. So,
2: yeah, pretty much like somewhat of an axe, like from uh, like the center of the earth that he gets. Because
1: to digress, like it's it was never really a competition because yeah. Godzilla has radioactive breath. Well, he's
2: also like the size. Yeah, of, like he's got like the like, sea and tower. Like the size he's
1: and he's got like the long range attack. So let's just face it, like all those movies were basically Japan versus America. Yeah, and they evened it up. because... Because it's but a then, very good audience. But so
2: then wow. in the newest one, spoiler, alert, like they, they created a Mecha Godzilla, and so Godzilla and Kong had to work together.
1: Yeah, okay. And now it's That's Godzilla
2: fine. X not Godzilla versus Kong, Godzilla X Kong. So they're they they're, they're mm. but they're a buddy cop duo now. Nice. So it's great. Getting too um, old for this. Exactly. It was one day to retirement. Exactly. Exactly. Alright. Who has a better shot of the second round? Because now we have series that are tied. Mm-hmm. We have two Phenomenally, you know, entertaining series that are tied, featuring, you know, marquee stars in marquee locations, except for Edmonton, you know, just like, (laughs) sorry, it's the City of Champions, I apologize, Um, but crazy stuff, The, the Kings and the Oilers are tied, the Devils and the Rangers are tied, who has a better shot at making the second round, the Kings or the Devils?
1: Yeah. So I, I think the Kings missed their opportunity big time. They had a chance to
2: step on the throat and they oh, did man. not.
1: You're up 3 nothing and it's funny cuz when I was watching that game it's 3 nothing and I'm like if any team can easily just yeah. make up that difference it's the Oilers. Mm-hmm. You know, like I anytime I'm watching a game and there's a lead I sort of say to myself like okay, well, can you get x number of goals past this goalie in yeah. this amount of time before giving up another one? And uh, with the Oilers, it's like, I don't care who's in net. I,
2: it does not matter. It
1: doesn't matter. McDavid and Dreisaitl, if if you say they need four goals in the third period, they could do that. And they didn't even need to do that because it wasn't the third period. Um, I feel like the Devils could do it. Ooh. I'm not saying they will.
2: But they absolutely could. But
1: yeah. Akira Schmid in net has been the difference. And what was interesting was when I was writing up... Um, the Devils' team story for playoff preview, mm-hmm. on newsstands now. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I, I noticed was that Vitek Vanacek did not play great against the Rangers this year. Yep. They hung at least three goals on him.
2: Every time, yeah. Every
1: time. So, series starts, Rangers, obviously high-octane offense, uh, Chris Kreider was on fire, mm-hmm. and they jumped on the Devils, who, you know, not as an experienced team as New York in the playoffs. You bring in a Mead again, Rangers don't have much of a book on him. Mm-hmm. He hasn't played that much in the NHL. Uh, got tremendous size. Yes. And sometimes it just takes that little personnel switch for the team to get reset. And keep in mind, New Jersey won the two games at MSG. Yes, which is huge. Which is not an easy building to play in. Um, you know... Jack Hughes is getting rolling now. Mm-hmm. And you look at the Rangers, Panarin and Jad only have two points each in this yep. series. You obviously need more from them. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden, New Jersey's got some confidence. They got a new goalie who's just there for the ride. This is just all gravy for Akira Mead Yeah. Uh, you know, a new experience. Let's just go with it. You know, really no pressure. You come in, and it's like, hey, just do what you can for us. Yeah. Um, I I think it's now wide open. And again, game five, I I think game five in this series, maybe not as crucial Mm -hmm. um, because the Rangers do have the experience where if the Devils win game five, I think the Rangers can say like, okay, well, we can still pull this
2: out. Yes. Um, We have home ice advantage.
1: Yeah. With the Kings, if they lose game five, I feel like Edmonton would just have too much confidence Mm -hmm. and be like, all we have to do is roll our big boys, and, uh, and we
2: can seal this off. Absolutely. I think, the, okay, here's the thing, though. I, I have two thoughts on the Kings. I have one is that they failed to step on the neck after, on the Oilers' neck, despite holding, Con, like, Connor McDavid to zero even strength goals. Yeah. So you, are, you had the best player in the world, potentially, of all time. And you were able to hold him to zero goals, and yet you're still walking away at a tied series mm. after four games. That's tough. Then again, I look at it and I go, the Oilers have done pretty much all of their damage on the power play. Right. We know that it's a historically good power play. Yes. And as we know from from you know not just like sort of our our observations, but like statistical models, penalties a- after game four in the series, when it gets into this sort of best of three, yeah. they go way down. Very true. And here and so I'm wondering. You know the we- the rest put their. I was about to say the west put the whistles away. <laughs> the rest put their whistles away. <clears throat> are the Oilers going to be as successful if they get mm-hmm. down again? Are they going to have those three power plays where they're able to come back and basically just you know play go- globe trotters hockey in the offensive right. zone? I wonder if that's possible. I I don't think it. it might be. Like then, but then again, Connor McDavid is the cheat code. Connor, you could. That's he true. is. He is the. He is the. You know. Oh, they're, they're all sad. Yeah, but Connor McDavid.
1: Exactly. And you go like, oh, okay, well, there he's you go. up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, B, A,
2: select, start. Exactly. Yeah. Is that Mike Dyson's punch-out? Uh, no, that? it was
1: Contra. I think it might have been a lot
2: of capital oh, okay. Hands, but yep.
1: specifically it was uh, like infinite lives in Contra. But he's,
2: he's the cheat code.
1: Yeah. Now, here's the question, just to get totally okay. psychological Let's here. do it. If the Kings know that the refs are going to put their whistles away, do they take a few more liberties, but then do the refs notice that and say, okay, well, now we're gonna call it because we don't want you guys trying to put one over on
2: us. Here's what I love: It's wondering whether I'm sure is, refs have Twitter. Here's what I love: is uh, you know predicting games on whether or not, on what mood the ref is going to be in that right. game, you know, and how petty they're going to be feeling. That's lovely. Uh, yeah. No, I do think that the I think that now, like the Kings. I think they're definitely the more physical team. For sure. And they have the guys on that team that have won before. Yep. You know, they have the, they have the I was going to say the John quick. They don't. But they have, they have Kopitar and guys like yeah. that. Um, and they have the ability to, you know, to, to play a physical game. Philip Deneau, you know, like you, you, you turn him loose on McDavid. Yep. What, whatnot. Um, it's going to be interesting, but I do think that Conor McDavid is, is that cheat code. And if Stuart Skinner is able to regain his form, even a little bit, even be like a 900 goalie, game over.
1: Yeah. Do you think they go back to Skinner?
2: Yes. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? You don't...
1: I gotta I got ask the question. I know
2: you have to ask the question. If if they go to Jack Campbell...
1: Yeah.
2: Like, like, after everything that happened... Stuart Skinner, like, yes, obviously McDavid, but, like, in terms of net, Stuart Skinner's the reason they're there. He saved it's their true. season. It's you can. McDavid could have scored 200 points this year. It doesn't negate the fact that Campbell was, like, an 878 goalie. Yeah. So, like, you could do whatever. Stuart Skinner is, it, it, like, dragged them to the playoffs. Um, you go back to Jack Campbell after one bad game, you're done. Like like you, you might as well pack up and go back to you know one of the marquee cities, which is Edmonton. Um, so yeah, that, that's great. We are now going to talk to uh, actor hockey fan D B Sweeney. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. So stick around for that.
1: Welcome back to the Hockey News podcast. We have a very special guest with us right now, actor D B Sweeney. Uh, You know him from many roles over the years, his newest megalopolis, uh, Francis Ford Coppola directing, no big deal there. Uh, DB, obviously a hockey fan as well. Uh, You played a hockey player in the classic rom-com, The Cutting Edge. Uh, First of all, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's great to, uh, uh, The Cutting Edge is the only movie I ever got to make in Toronto, one of my favorite cities. There you
1: go. Very nice. Uh, and let's start off just with, uh, your journey into hockey, uh, as it would be, you learned to skate for that movie. Uh, what was that whole process like?
0: Well, it was, uh, it was, it was a challenge, you know, because, you know, learning something when you're a little kid is one thing, but I was, you know, 29 years old, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, the, the, uh, studio MGM rented out a rink in New York city where I was living and my co-star Maura Kelly, she couldn't skate either. So they gave us three months and they rented this rink. And so. She and I kind of got into the spirit of the movie and started competing with each other to see who could get better, who could get better in three months, and uh, it worked out pretty good. We both got to a, a pretty good level of competence.
2: Who won that? Who won that race, though?
0: You know, I, she kind of won it because she was focusing on the figure skating, and she by the after three months she was already landing like jumps, like single axle jumps, which you know, no big deal for a, you know a competitive skater, but for somebody that hadn't skated, it was a pretty big deal. But I got the last laugh because she broke her leg landing one of those jumps. So she didn't skate in the movie at all.
2: Really? She, so she, she spent all that time learning and then she didn't end up skating in the movie?
0: No, no. And, and her double was uh, a great Canadian girl. Sharon Cars, was a, a very competitive Canadian skater for the national, uh, you know, national competitor. And uh, Sharon looked so much like Moira that you never really noticed. Uh, they couldn't really find a good photo double for me. So I ended up having to do more than they had planned. But uh, no, but but it, but that, what that skating training did for us, it it really gave more and I this history and, and uh, you know, understanding of the characters and, uh, you know, that that thing, that chemistry thing that you can't you can't always count on being there. But I think that
2: training really helped us to develop it. What you're saying is you're basically Tom Cruise. You're doing all of your own stunts.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, I played hockey with Tom Cruise. So if he does a hockey movie, he better get a stunt double.
2: Oh, nice. Whoa. Nice.
0: And let's get
1: into the hockey part of it. Uh, just your journey, you know, getting into the hockey world and you know, learning to be a hockey player uh, for that movie, but just then also uh, playing hockey ever since recreationally.
0: Yeah, you know, it was really opened a window for me because I've always been a huge hockey fan. Uh, I'm from Long Island, but I'm a Rangers fan, which doesn't make sense to uh, my friends who you know root for the Islanders, but. Uh, uh, always been a Rangers fan. Always been a huge admirer of the sport, and so now, yeah, it's really added this new level to my life. Where I, you know, wherever I go on a movie, I, I bring my hockey bag, but I can't let the producers see it because they'll they'll ban me from skating if they see it. But right. but I always bring it with me and uh, just try to be extra careful.
2: I'm I'm really interested in hearing you talk about playing hockey with Tom Cruise. You know, a guy who. Uh, you know he's. He, we all know that he's hanging off airplanes recreationally and jumping out of them and whatnot. You are playing hockey with him. You're saying he's not that good. <laughs> well, he
0: no. I don't want to. I don't want to trash him as much. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll give you some praise for another Hollywood guy. Keanu Reeves is a goalie, and he's a pretty yeah. good goalie. Played with him. uh Played with uh who else? Well, I played with Mike Myers. He wasn't very good. So I, I guess I, the truth is the truth, right? I mean, uh, Kiefer yeah, is a, is a pretty good hockey player. I've played with him. So there are some guys that can play uh, Cuba Gooding junior. So, uh, you know, it's not all uh, actors, uh, you know, hide behind their doubles. Yeah. No. Now I have to imagine
1: playing hockey with actors. That's got to be pretty interesting because it feels like the competitiveness would be at like another level when you have people that are so good at one thing doing something else. Like what's the vibes in those games like?
0: Well, it's, it's pretty interesting. We had uh, for a long time in L.A., uh, Jerry Bruckheimer, the producer, had this sort of like loose affiliation of actors and writers and everybody that played in this weekly skate. And then once a year, we'd go to Las Vegas and play. And those Las Vegas games, we had no crowd, you know. So it was really – but we, we had former and current NHL players on every team. So we'd have like on – a, on a 15-man team, we'd have five uh, current or former recently retired NHL players. So it was really – it was really good hockey. Um, of, of course, we couldn't have any NHL goalies because – None of us are ever going to score on an NHL goalie who's trying. (laughs) If any goalies came, they would have to be skaters, you know. And uh, so we had a couple guys, you know, who did that, you know, goalies who got to play out and they loved it. But when we do these charity celebrity games, like I played in front of 16,000 people at Madison Square Garden once. And, you know, you're just trying not to mess up. It's not so much like I'm trying to be better than Kiefer or something, or you're just hoping that you make a good play, or you just don't make one of those plays that ends up on SportsCenter or, you know, uh, where you look like, you know, you're a dummy. (laughs)
2: So you mentioned, you know, I I will say you mentioned Jerry Bruckheimer and, you know, my growing up, my dad and I, we were huge fans of CSI Miami, which you were, which you guessed it on. And, you know, upon upon looking back, you know, because we I watched it far too young as I as I should have for a show like that. um, I ended up noticing that you you played different characters. So three different characters on all three shows in the CSI universe. How, How did that come about?
0: Uh, well, you know, I mean, it just uh, they were all Jerry shows and, and I, mm-hmm. I knew Billy Peterson on CSI and, and then CSI Miami just kind of came along. And and I thought, well, I might as well go for the trifecta because, you know, Gary Sinise is a buddy of mine. So, you know, I guess I was just hoping they were going to do uh, CSI Long Island and maybe they give me a look.
2: Nice. nice. <laughs> and Gary Sinise, another hockey fan as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Gary's a big fan. And, uh, you know, it's he's, he's done so much for our troops and first responders. I have a lot of admiration for him.
1: Now, I also wanted, too, because you've done uh, other sports movies in your career, Eight Men Out, a big one. When you're playing an athlete, is, is the vibe on the set different? Like in Eight Man Out, when you have like literally guys that are supposed to be an entire baseball team, do you get a different kind of camaraderie where it almost reflects sports?
0: Um, a little bit, yeah. That that was a really, it I was a great experience because all it was all guys pretty much, and we were all staying in the same hotel. It was a really crappy hotel and a low budget movie, so there wasn't a lot of amenities or anything. So we kind of all played cards every night and and watched sports and movies on TV, and there was a real bonding there. But Charlie mm-hmm. Sheen and I were really the only two guys who had played baseball. I played at a pretty high level, and Charlie had played a little. So uh, for me, I was just trying to I was learning at it left handed because. Nobody, you know, Shoeless Joe Jackson was a net was a lefty and, and nobody had ever really uh, convincingly played a baseball player up to that point. So I felt like it was a great opportunity. What I didn't realize was that Kevin Kosser was filming Bull Durham at the same time and he was killing it, too. So, uh, you know, he, he played college baseball and he looks terrific. So, uh, you know, I really felt like I had an opportunity to be the first guy to really believably be a baseball
2: player. That's awesome. Well, I mean, you know, obviously you're in the glitz and glamour of Hollywood. You're a, you're a celebrity and yet you've been playing with, you know, all these, you've been playing with all these celebrities. You've been playing with all these NHLers um, specifically. Do you have any interesting, I would say, sort of like off the ice stories, interactions with any of these NHLers? Do you guys get up to any fun shenanigans or any interesting tidbits that they, they laid on? Yeah, maybe in the dressing, maybe even after, out, you know, out after you guys play the game?
0: Yeah. I just, I just edited through about 17 stories that I can't tell. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but let me say, I'll tell you this much. So I am prepared okay. for this podcast. I got my, uh, my Tim Hortons ready. I'm ready to talk about hockey. There we go. But, uh, you know, you know, I mean, guys, uh, one thing that, uh, the first game I ever played in was uh, a Rangers old timers game. They, they called it old timers still then it was, a uh, uh, now it's alumni, I guess. But, uh, so I had been skating for like seven weeks and it was an old timers game against the, the Islanders old timers on Long Island in front of 3000 people. I didn't even know what a hockey, what a warm up, what I was supposed to do in the warm up. But Pierre LaRouche was on the team and he said to me, DB, you just put your stick on the ice and go to the net. And I thought, well, that sounds like good advice. so I'll do that. So on my first shift, um, the puck goes off my stick into the net and I was like, oh, my God, I'm a natural at this. And then later in the game, it happened again. And both times it was Pierre LaRouche. And so later on in the locker room, he was collecting 50 bucks from every player. He had bet the whole team that he could score two goals off my stick. Amazing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, that, that's that's unreal. Uh, and uh, because
1: you're a Rangers fan, let's do a, we always do something called rapid fire on this uh, show. We'll do a mini rapid fire here, special edition. Favorite ranger of all time? Oh, that's hard. Um, wow, really hard. Uh, Brian Leach. That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, like, Mark Messier had the guarantee and everything. But if, if, you, if you think about Brian Leach and what he was able to do as a defenseman during that era, uh, just incredibly impressive. Here's another rapid fire one for you. Obviously, we mentioned uh, Megalopolis with uh, Francis Ford Coppola. Other than the Francis Ford Coppola movies that you have been in, what is your favorite Francis Ford Coppola movie of all time? Uh, Godfather, with a close second to Godfather 2.
2: Nice. Did he give you, or you know, working with, sorry, what would you say?
0: And a close third to Patton, which a lot of people don't realize, Coppola wrote Patton, which is one of my favorite movies.
2: Oh, absolutely. Now, did he, you, Megalopolis, I'm a big movie guy, so uh, apologies for how Hollywood skewed my questions are so, uh, sorry for you. But um, you know, the movie that you were filming with him, Megalopolis, you know, its I believe it's mostly, if if not all, self-funded by him.
0: Yeah, he put up the money. It's over $100 million. He's been trying to make this movie for 35 years. And the cast is unbelievable. Adam Driver, Natalie Emanuel, Aubrey Plaza. John uh, Carlo Esposito, Lawrence Fishburne, John Voigt, Dustin Hoffman, Shia LaBeouf. I mean, everybody wanted to be in this movie. So uh, it's really one of the great casts that has ever been assembled. And the movie looks incredible. And I can't wait for it to come out.
2: What was that set like? Because I, 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 you know, you. You talk about, you know, you're behind the bench with a guy like Scotty Bowman or, or you know, any of the, the great coaches. You watch a guy like Coppola, you know, who's who's made arguably the, the American movie, the great American movie in The Godfather. What's it like watching a guy direct like that? It must be like watching a, you know, a surgeon perform, you know, the heart surgery or something.
0: Totally. I You know, I, I, I rarely go to the set when I'm not working on a, on a job on a TV show or a movie because I feel like nothing good can happen. You know, you bump into somebody that you don't need to see or, you know, so I stay away, but on this movie, Even in days when I wasn't working, I would go to the set just to watch him. And the thing that really comes through, first of all, it's his money. He's the boss. There's no committee of, like, what should we do? Uh, And then somebody makes a decision. He's the boss. And, uh, you know, so you watch that process that he goes through where he knows, you know, it's high-stakes poker. But he's making these decisions in a very calm, methodical way. He includes input from other people. But he's the boss. And he makes a decision. And that's
2: that. Because there are no studio notes, does that give you more of like a free reign to maybe not like improvise, but sort of take more chances in that sense? Well, we had a week of rehearsal,
0: which is really, really unusual in this day and age. Back in back in the day, we used to get that once in a while, at least a few days. But we had a whole week of rehearsal. And during that time, uh, improvis- improvisation is welcome and encouraged. But on the set, you know, I mean, Francis wants the lines. You know, he, he wrote the script. You know, he's, he's got like a, a whole handful of Oscars for writing movies and You know, he knows what he's doing. So sometimes, uh, you know, for me, I I like doing the lines. I'm not a big improviser because I feel like, you know, let's set it. And then if it can be improved in between takes, great. But uh, some of the other actors were improvising and he would get annoyed, you know, and and they would correct themselves pretty quickly.
1: Fair enough. And uh, jumping back to hockey for a second, you know, talking about Jerry Bruckheimer earlier, obviously uh, you mentioned you played in Vegas and then uh, with him having – the Seattle Kraken uh, now as the co-owner. What do you think about um, just how hockey has expanded in, in those two markets and, and what Jerry's been able to do?
0: Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I mean, there's a, obviously a parallel with Vegas, um, where you know the NHL has definitely changed the rules for expansion drafts, and you know to give it used to be a, an expansion team was a doormat for you know maybe a decade or more before being competitive, and that they the hurry up that they've given these teams. I think is good for the league and. And also, you know, you kind of root for them because they tend to be, you know, uh, assembled from like unwanted parts and people that are overlooked or maybe have been slighted by their original teams. And so you got guys, a whole bunch of guys with chips on their shoulder. And so it's kind of fun to watch them, you know, go up against the juggernauts like, you know, watching this series with uh, with Colorado. It's, you know, everybody expects Colorado to win that series. But Seattle is very scrappy and it's been really entertaining. Indeed.
1: And, uh, finally we have, a, a, a photo of you, uh, with our owner slash publisher, uh, Graham Rooston in the background. Uh, Graham said you would have some, uh, some pretty fond memories and some, some fun to poke at him uh, with that. Uh, how have you known Graham over the years?
0: Yeah, I met Graham during these, uh, uh, you know, celebrity hockey games. And, uh, we used to have a lot of fun. You know, I forgot to mention Michael J Fox was part of it, uh, before he got sick. And, uh, uh, Dennis Leary we had a bunch of really great guys that would come out and and it was just it was a lot of laughs you know you fly into Pittsburgh or Toronto or someplace and you put on this game raise a bunch of money and uh anyway it was, it was a lot of fun and Graham's a great guy
1: excellent well thanks so much for joining the show it's been uh awesome to have you on and good luck all right I gotta leave you with something a little
0: controversial
2: oh do hey, it let's do it
0: All right. Here it is. Now, everybody's I think everybody agrees that Eric Carlson is the uh, Norris Trophy winner this year. I don't think there's any real dispute. It should, in my opinion, should be unanimous. But I want to take it a step further. I'm going to throw it out there that it's the greatest offensive season by a defenseman in NHL history. And uh, everybody can argue with me. But the only competition really is I mean, there's been 11 seasons where a defenseman has had 100 points, six by Bobby Orr, five by Paul Coffey the Paul Coffey seasons get thrown out because he's either got Lemieux or Gretzky on, on those teams. So he's getting a lot of free points. He's a great player, not trying to take anything away from obviously one of the all-time greats and Bobby Orr, everybody agrees is the greatest defenseman of all time, not taking anything away from him. But if you look at the percentage of points uh, and uh, Eric Carlson, um, I I had to write this down because I didn't want to forget it. Right. So, um, so Eric Carlson was a part of uh, only Bobby Orr in 1969, 70 and Eric Carlson this year only defensemen in NHL history that were part of 40% or more of their team's goals. And if you think about that, it's, it's kind of astonishing. Like, you know, the, the, uh, and, and Bobby Orr was playing with, uh, you know, Ken Hodge and Johnny Busick and Phil Esposito, you know, I don't think anybody would mistake Thomas Hurdle or, or Logan Couture or Timo Meyer for any of those guys. So, I mean, I really think, that Eric Carlson and everybody always says, oh, he's on a crappy team. And, you know, so you, but I think it's harder when you're on a crappy team because when you're playing against the Bruins, you got a key on nine guys. Mm-hmm. Playing against the Sharks, you stop Eric Carlson, you're going to win the game. So anyway, I throw that out there. And, and uh, so that, you know, the numbers are, uh, what, where is it? Uh, um, I wrote this down because I don't want to forget it. So, yeah, so it's forty-three percent. Both Bobby Orr and and uh, and Eric Carlson this past year are a part of forty-three percent of their team's goals. Which is, you know, think about it, it's just kind of astonishing. So, um, and and uh, the Paul Coffey years, he was never more than like thirty or thirty-two, and, and a lot of the other Bobby Orr years, you know, you had a lot of other players getting points, so he wasn't, you know, as as much uh, of, of a factor in as many goals. But anyway. I want to leave that with you guys. I know everybody's going to hate on me for that, but he, he's absolutely the best Swedish born defenseman of all time. And now the Red Wings fans can hate on me because he had a better season than Liz. <laughs> ever did.
1: There you go. Wow. I love the enthusiasm. I love the hot takery. DB
0: Sweeney taking well, it
1: to end it off. And he's got his timmies. So it's all good. Thanks so much again, DB. It's been thank, awesome.
2: Thank you guys. All right. It's rapid fire time. Thank you to DB Sweeney, by the way, for, for doing that. It was great. You know, we'll, we'll have him back on and, and everything because he had he did his homework, man. That's right. Yeah, he really did. He came prepared. He came to play. Yeah. Um, Ryan, though, you have rapid fire this week. I do. Let's do it. Let's let's do some rapid fire.
1: All right. Continuing on from the DB Sweeney interview. Okay. okay. What's your favorite Francis Ford Coppola film of all time?
2: Everyone wants to say The Godfather or The Godfather Part Two. Those are, I think, perfect movies. Mm-hmm. Love them. They're great. I'm gonna go with Apocalypse Now. I think that movie, just, and, and there's something, just because I love movies so much, just knowing just how that basically drove everyone who made that movie to insanity, Right. it just adds an extra level to that movie that mm-hmm. I love, um, knowing that Martin Sheen had, like, a heart attack shortly after his, like, first scene in the movie, you know, it's just like, that's commitment to the craft, you right. know, I love that, so yeah, I, I would have to go Apocalypse Now, but man, like, he has done... He's not, there's a reason why he is as revered as, as uh, DB was talking about there. Like he's you know, one of the great directors um, mm. in, uh, in cinema history, really. There you
1: go. The correct answer is Apocalypse. Now. Yes. I was going to say the same thing. Uh, next question. Last book you read.
2: <sighs> mm. See, I... It's funny. So, I, uh, uh, I like to read... I, I do like to listen to audiobooks, mainly because I'm always on the go. Um, and I, I don't really read fiction ever. I always read...
1: I'm the same way. Yeah,
2: I always read yeah. uh, nonfiction, and yeah. usually it's sports books. Like, I love reading about how... Like, you can... Especially with baseball, because there's so much. Like, if you give me a, a book about how, you know, this GM built a, a World Series champion, and, like, the entire sort of behind-the-scenes machinations of that, mm-hmm. it is all... I'm all for it. Um, I would say the last book I read of that... Um, it was Astro Ball. Unfortunately, that book is now being proven totally irrelevant <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because they uh, they cheated the entire time and it just conveniently didn't mention that in the right. book. Um, but it, it, it's very, very well written. Um, and, and another one I try and read this book every year. And this one is fiction. It's my favorite book of all time. It's Ender's Game by Orson yeah. Scott Card. Um, it's a shame that the author is a bad person, um, but you know it's all about separating the art from the artist. And yeah. it is one of the great seminal science fiction books ever um, made into a very bad movie. Um, and I, I think that they shouldn't have ever made into a movie. It's, it's borderline impossible to, to make it into a movie. But man, what it, it's the best book of all time. I started reading it way before I should have as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, it is great. If you can check out Andrew's Game, I would suggest you do it. And uh, don't check out Astro Ball because everything in it is a lie now. <laughs>
1: They should just put out like a revised version that's one page Mm -hmm. and just says, but they cheated.
2: Well they just won the World Series and I'm assuming they didn't cheat while doing that. So they should just write the Astro Ball 2, we didn't cheat this time, you know, with that one, yeah.
1: Right on. For me it's a reread, I reread Mutations by Sam Mm McFeeders, who is a writer who used to be in a bunch of hardcore punk bands. And uh, it's basically a bunch of essays about hardcore punk. but. He's very, like, unflinching and unsentimental about it, but also very good at, like, if you were going to explain it to somebody that didn't know anything about punk, he does a pretty good job of, like, explaining the minutia of it. And for me, uh, who got into the scene a few years after he did, so it's like... Some of the bands he talked about, like, I hadn't heard before. I was like, oh, I'm going to check them out. And then it's like, ooh, that is a good band. I was like, oh, I like that band. Uh, so it's fun because he talks about, like, himself personally and a bunch of stuff he went through, uh, but also the bands that were influential on him and, and influence the scene. So I reread that last week, and it's just like, that's like, a, that's like chicken soup for me. Oh, yeah. Just, like, getting into that.
2: That's that's everything you want that's in a book right, right there. Yeah,
1: yeah. Exactly.
2: Okay. Okay. Uh,
1: going to keep it tight for this round. Okay. Of fire. Yeah. last question, at this point, mm-hmm. who wins the Stanley Cup?
2: This is t- this is difficult. Mm-hmm. Because every team has shown, I think every team in this round maybe not the Panther uh, maybe not the Panthers, but every other team has shown that they have the ability to do it. Mm. it so it's it's really tough. Um, I would have to say I'm gonna say, and this is this might be crazy. I'm gonna say New York Rangers,
1: okay, yeah, I don't think that's crazy
2: i I think I'm gonna say the New York Rangers, despite the fact they just lost two in yeah. their own building yeah. um they're they're reeling a little bit by the time we record this next podcast uh, a week from now, they could have been bounced altogether, um but I do think that the Rangers there's just something there, man, yeah, and I think you know Shasterkin gets gets it back and uh. Mm-hmm the way up. The Leafs are a second to that though. I do think that there is something special about this team, yeah. but the Rangers, uh, they're great.
1: Yeah, okay. I'm gonna go kind of a similar attack. Okay. I'm gonna say Carolina. Ooh. Even though they've had some adversity, it feels like there were spots where like, is the goal thing gonna be okay? And Toronto's been great for mm-hmm. uh, And like guys have stepped up, and I, I do think Toronto uh, could fall to Carolina in the Eastern Final.
2: Uh, Man, we're making a lot of jumps on that one. Like, we're making so many jumps, yeah.
1: but it's all speculative. So exactly, exactly. So I'm going to I'm gonna stick with Carolina, because I feel like out west, I'm, I'm still not sure. Mm-hmm. There feels like there's still a lot going on. I'm, I'm very surprised, actually, that the Dallas-Minnesota series is 2-2 right now. Really? Uh, we thought
2: it was going to be as tight as ever. We did, but at the same
1: time, I thought when it came down to it, Dallas would just be a little better. Kind of better, pull, pull but, away. I mean, maybe the lack of Pavelski has mm-hmm. sort of turned things there. Um, so, yeah, I'm not, I, I'm not confident in the West right now in terms of who's going to come out of it. Not that I really was. Uh, it feels like the, the East has more leaders.
2: I find it interesting. We, none of us mentioned the Bruins. It just feels like... They're fallible. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I like it it's 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 weird how this was far and away the best team in the league during yeah. the regular season. Like they had I think it was like 20 more points than their next guy. Yeah. Um and they are statistically the best regular season team of all time and yet I do I do not lose a wink of sleep over the, the Bruins.
1: Yeah, it feels like once you get into it and like bad things can happen mm-hmm. at any time then it's like You get less
2: sure. Yes.
1: Yeah. But I do think they're still, they're obviously still a contender, but it's just, I don't like, it's not like bulletproof at this point.
2: Yeah. Did I choose the Rangers because I think, you know, the possibility of covering the Stanley Cup final in New York in the middle of the summer is a lot of fun? Potentially. Um, But we will have to see. But I do think (laughs) that the Rangers, man, there's just something special. So, yeah. Anyway, great podcast. Thank you again to DB Sweeney uh, for joining. Uh, joining us watch any of the amazing movies he he is in Um, and yeah we'll be back next week to potentially tee up the second round based on how these things are going Um, yeah thanks as always for listening and watching and we'll be back next week